Oh, I can't fight this feeling anymore, anymore. I've forgotten what I started fighting for. That's, that's all I got. It's time I bring this. That's what I was telling him. Ship into the shore and throw away the oars forever. Dude, if you're driving a ship with oars, <laughs> I don't want to be. I think it's more <laughs> metaphorically speaking than... I'm very literal <laughs> with my rock music. Get out of here. Way back, looks up. There's a cycle. You can't put it on the board. Yes. A single, double, triple, and home run in one game. Oh, he is hit for the cycle. All right, all right. Welcome back to the cycle. I'm your host, Pat McGann. I'm with Kevin Bozeman this How week. Are you, sir? Good to see you. It's the 4th of July as we record this. As you hear this, we're probably heading into the all-star break. Uh, we just had a great conversation with the lead singer of Ario Speedwagon, Kevin Cronin. It was it was one of my uh, favorite favorite interviews, to be honest. He was great. He was great because not only is he, you know, he's humbled, he's down to earth, but he was a true White Sox fan. I mean, he stumped us with White Sox trivia. Right. I mean, granted, it was when the White Sox first started playing, but still. <laughs> Yeah. It was still like really good trivia. It was interesting thing that I would have never have guessed it, but it it's it was great. And and we, if we're gonna be honest, walking into it, we're both kind of like I mean, because I I know their songs, of course, right? everyone knows their songs, and they are. Uh, but I didn't know a ton about him, and it was you know it's the Fourth of July. We probably walked into this not as prepared as we have for other interviews, but that's the joy of it too when it just flows. It was just a conversation. He, he's such a natural, such a good dude. It was, it was, uh, it was really fun. Really and, fun. The, and the guy looks good. And you talked about his father who's 90, 91. And this guy looks like he's going to be around that long too. Yeah. He looks like he's in, in great shape. And I guess like if you're, people don't understand like doing like two, two and a half hour shows on it. Like you got to be in, you got to be in shape. Like you can't be out, partying hard like you got to take care of yourself oh my buddy saw guns and roses the other night and they said it was fun but i think axel kept disappearing a little bit right and slash carried i heard yeah. the same thing that slash pretty much carried the whole thing because I, axel had to go has catch put his on breath. a couple of pounds <laughs> where kevin for ariel speedwagon looked like he's in great shape and he was in the forefront the whole time so yeah, and, those, and the shows they put on i mean th- th- those like i said to him those guys are huge stadium like they're doing the arena, they're an arena act. Yeah. They, they fill it up. So, no, that was great. Hopefully this is the, we start to turn the corner now and we can, we can pick up some momentum. Cleveland's has got a couple of losses now that Le- LeBron James nostalgia has wore off of them. <laughs> right. Kansas City is injured and I still think Kansas City is the team to beat, but they are injured and battered. We got to take advantage of that. Detroit is playing a little bit better than, we thought, but like, look, it's competition. Like, it shouldn't be easy to win the World Series. It shouldn't be easy to win your division. Let's not worry about what everyone else says. Let's just keep stacking up series wins. It's a probably not the most ideal road they took to come up to the break where they're probably going to be. But this is, if you were said at the beginning of the season, the Sox is going to be, you know, and, and again, this will be a week from now. They got six games. But so if you go to the All Star break above 500. That's that's where you want to be. You're in the be. hunt. You're, you you want to be in the hunt. Like that. That's just it. You want people to go into July and August looking forward to the game instead of going. Are we about to trade our best yeah. players for prospects? 
And let's like be honest, like the the White Sox uh, under the Reinsdorf watch, we, like they don't, we don't rebuild here. We we every year we try to put a team right. that's competitive where if we're in it for the break. We can add pieces, and that's that's where we're at now. So. And the team's so different now than it was when the season started. I mean, completely different. And I love Tim Anderson. Another two hits yesterday. This guy's had a bunch of multi-hit games. His speed, love it. And you got. Um, Morneau starting a triple-A assignment. Right. That could be. That's what, and that's that's another, like, smart White Sox move. This is what they've been doing this year. They have been low risk, high reward. Thank you, Jimmy Rollins. Thank you, Matt Latos. You gave all you could, but now it's, like, it's low risk, high reward. And it's the same thing with Morneau. Like, hey, like, in minor league, if you can show flashes of your MVP self, great. You're perfect. If not, you're in triple A, like, all right, there's yeah. no there's no real financial risk or team chemistry risk. You don't have to have anyone on the team. So I think they're they're very smart this year. I'm looking forward to today. They've done well on the fourth of July. They like to play on America's birthday, this team. You know who else does? The Yankees like to play on America's they they're four and so we have a, yep. a a battle in big game shields. By the time you guys Get a hold of this, we will know the answer. But he looks like he's turned a turn in the corner. Yeah, it would be nice if they uh, go into the break strong after this six-game homestand. Now we have um, a couple Sox players I think are going to be in the All-Star game in some fashion. Chris Sale will probably be the starter if he wants to be, and I think Frazier probably will be in the home run derby. It's not official yet, but I saw I that he, he wants, wants to, to do it. He wants to defend. And uh, maybe they'll pick up another one or two guys will be added. What's your favorite All-Star game? My favorite All-Star game? I mean, it's so funny to say but because, you know, I talk about the 83 Sox a lot. That was just, the, you know, in my life, that was the team that started it all for me, you know, mm-hmm. being at the age I was. And that's when I started liking them. And then it was like, it's hilarious. That year, they just happened to be hosting the All-Star game, too. Right. So that was a great All-Star game. And they were it, just starting to turn the corner into – because I believe they took first place on my birthday, which is July 18th, and then they never looked back. Yep. So and, they uh, were just starting to turn the corner. The weird thing about that was they only had Kittle in the All-Star game because they really got hot the second half. Oh, yeah. Um, but Fredlin hit a grand slam. I remember hearing that that was the only time a grand slam had been hit in an All-Star game at that time. I don't know. Did someone do it since then? Maybe one guy did it since then. But forever, it was the only Grand Slam. And, um, you know, that, that one sticks out. Frank Thomas, homer in an All-Star game. Bo Jackson, that All-Star game, I think it was out west somewhere. Maybe they were, just led off with the home run in the way box, went yeah. back to back. You know, my favorite All-Star game is I, I know, <laughs> my favorite All-Star game is when the game was tied and they're just like, nope, we're done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but it's the All-Star game. We got it now. We, Everyone's, we've all had enough. That's it. That's it. We, we've used all our pitchers. We, and they we went managed from, this. Everyone managed this game horribly. Uh, we, we were bad across the board. It's it. Yeah, just, so yeah. So, just Fred Lynn, still the only guy with the Grand Slam. With as many home runs that are hitting the game now, that's, that's surprising. Yeah. But let's say this. That All-Star game, that tied – they went Changed. to one extreme to the next because now the All-Star game is – I know. That's what's funny. It's like they I, – I still – I don't agree with that. I don't agree with, you know, the best players just, like, deciding. I just – at least just do it every other year, man. For home field? 
just do it every other year. That's what I would do. Just do it. Just do it every other year. If you're great, if you're great, you're going to win. And to me, what sport do you think home field matters more than well, any? You can't say you can't. It used to be basketball, but after what LeBron did, but that is a very rare occurrence. Like and probably you got will, like one of the great players of all time yeah. still in. Like I would say basketball to, still. Yeah, it's still basketball because great equalizer. And home field advantage and baseball is if your pitcher is money, it doesn't matter if they got thirty five thousand fans cheering against you. That if that pitcher is money, he's exactly. going to shut it down. But like with the NBA, they they do play seem like that home court advantage makes. I agree. Yeah, I think it, I think it is basketball. And then I would after that, I would probably say. Baseball, but it's certainly what not about, hockey. What about fo- no, definitely football? No, football they play football. neutral. But like, well, for the big thing, you know, for the Super Bowl is neutral. It's but neutral yeah, for field, for yeah. home playoff games, yeah, it's big. But you know, we've seen it a lot. We've seen the Bears lose at Soldier Field a lot in the playoffs in my life. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> Way know. Way too many times to talk about. <laughs> Which means I have to be good to be hosting the game. Yeah, and we lost it. We've lost when it's been. Awful weather and it's bear weather and a West Coast team has come in and beat us. Yes, I know. No one, Let's not talk about that. It. Bear weather is the biggest lie. No, these guys Same aren't thing. born Especially, in Chicago. Right. They're, they're freezing, man. They used they're to not that excited like it's bear weather and these guys are like I'm from Texas. They used to say that like up in for Favre like Favre never loses when it's below 20 degrees. Well, guess what? Favre is 40 years old now and he does <laughs> not want. He looks cold and frigid and then he just started losing a lot. I think that matters with baseball too, like the weather. Like there are guys that struggle in April, and there are guys that struggle in October. It's not, you know, if you're if you're pretty far north and you're hosting playoff games in Chicago or in New York, and it's freezing, the guys, there are certain guys that struggle. Oh, but that, but that, but that being said, that blackout game is just the best, right? That blackout game is is just. But the again, best. a low scoring game was it one nothing? One game? nothing, and Danks was just so money. It's so money that game but yeah all right so we are gonna uh just move into this conversation that we both really enjoyed kevin cronin ario speedwagon they are touring right now with def leopard kevin was uh just a, a great dude very fun to talk to and we did a facebook live posting when we uh recorded the conversation some of you may have already seen this on facebook we had about seven thousand people chime in uh awesome. or tune in to yeah. the Facebook Live. So look for that. We're going to be doing that with the podcast that we record at the stadium. Um, that should be a lot of fun. Make sure sure you are subscribing, telling your friends about the cycle. Get on iTunes. Give us a review. All right? Enjoy this conversation with Kevin Cronin of REO Speedway. Joining us this week on The Cycle, Kevin, how cool is this? Kevin Cronin from REO Speedwagon. What, you're almost 50 years into the game of, of being? Well, you know, the band, there was an REO Speedwagon band uh, in 1967. It was before my time. Our keyboard player, Neil, though, uh-huh. uh, was one of the founding members. And he's, so they used to play like. In Champagne, right? Yeah, in Champagne. Fraternity parties and freaking, you know, bar mitzvahs, whatever they could do. So, you know, you know, so, yeah, strictly speaking, the band has been around for hey, almost 50 years. How long you, how long you personally been with? I joined in 72. 
Oh, okay. so you're a rookie. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the newbie. Yeah, you're, newbie. Yeah, yeah, you're the newbie. <laughs> and there's such a strong Chicago connection to this band because of the fact that you, the Illinois roots yeah. and, you know, so, I mean, popular throughout the country, throughout the world, but definitely Chicago has a, uh, a special attachment to, to Ariel Speedwagon. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a South Side guy all the, all the way. I grew up born and raised here. And, uh, yeah. I mean, Where at? Uh, Oakland. Went to Brother Rice High School in the Did South you really? Side. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got Chicago my Chicago location. I went to Marist. Marist. Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. All right. All right. And I'm not a lot of Crusaders. The Crusaders, yeah. I got I got my Crusader butt paddled a number of times back in those days. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. But, what did uh, you did you uh, play sports there? Were you in the in the band or? I attempted to uh, to play sports. I went out for the uh, for the basketball team and. Uh, I had a, a little uh, a, an ability. I had, a, I had a, an ability deficit, so I didn't quite yeah. uh, make the team. Well, you're into sports. You're saying before we jumped on the the mics here that you were a big fan of the 1959 White Sox. Well, yeah, that was my team. The, the, the you know I was what ten years old, no nine years old, eight years old, but that was seven. Do we hear yeah, seven like that? <laughs> 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 yeah. I was three years old, man. I remember yeah. like it was yesterday. <laughs> so that was you. Can, can you name the lineup? How Pretty far could you go? I, I have a picture of the '59 Go-Go White Sox in my wardrobe case every night. I, if, if you notice, I'm wear. Everyone else got a a 16 on their jersey because of 2016. If you notice. You got, got number number, 11 I got number 11 for Rudy Law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Louis Aparicio, Luis, right? Luis, baby. All Luis. The yeah, the Keystone combo. Yeah. Luis Aparicio. Such a history Fox. here of uh, the Venezuelan shortstops. I think it's yeah. been cool Ozzie. when they had like yeah. Ozzy and uh, Chico and um, Omar. Omar Vizcal was here right, briefly right. at the end that's of his right. career. So that's I think they pretty have cool. A, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Right? But my... Um, my uh, yeah, I just got knowledge. Our producer, well, well, knowledge about Venezuelan knowledge. <laughs> yeah, come on, am I right? Anyway, sure. so just go. Start naming fifty-nine players. Let's All right. See how so, Aparicio uh, led off. Fox right. bet betted second. Um, Jim Landis, center fielder. Uh, he either batted third or fifth. He he moved around. Ted Klozuski, the big clue. Oh, the big clue. There you go. At first base cleaned up, man. And that, yeah. That, that that dude. He was a he was a badass. He rolled up his sleeves of his yeah. jersey to show his his muscular arms. I think he had a good postseason too. He had a good uh, World Series. Yeah, I think so. He was a he was a just a home run. He was like in the Babe Ruth mold. I think he snuck out in the seventh inning stretch and got a hot dog across the street. I've read about that series and like so they I think they. Pounced on him the first game in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The White Sox won like 11-1. Or like oh, yeah. They crushed him. Oh. And then went to L.A. And they played in the Coliseum, which wasn't even a baseball. Wait, it was baseball, like right. short porch out to right. But center field was like <laughs> 440 or something ridiculous. Okay. I mean, I don't know if this is all correct, but... Do you remember that at the no, time? You being know what? Like, I don't remember it that well. He was three years old. Was, <laughs> but were, were people talking about that? Like, this is nonsense. Like, this is like they're going out to L.A. and playing in the place that – You know it. what? I was I was just a kid, man. I just loved the whole – you know, when you're a kid and, and your team gets to the World Series, that, that was what it was all about. Man. Especially I, at I that just, time. Yeah. The Yankees were dominant. Yeah, and and I was Luis Aparicio. I mean, I played shortstop on my little league team. Uh, Is that why you're lying about your age? You're one of those. uh, Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Like a true Venezuelan, you lie about your age. (laughs) 
<laughs> you were 13 years old, Kevin. Everyone knows that. You were not three. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, like if I was 10, how old does that make me now? I think if I, I think if I was younger in 1959, that makes me younger now. Yeah. Wait, wait Minosa was on that team. Minosa. Right? They, yeah. they they traded he for him. He wasn't on that team. No, he had just gotten traded. Yeah, he just got he had just got no traded. no he was there no. Yeah, he came back. Oh no way! Well, he, I but, think he was was it Landis that was um, no it was another guy that they brought over. I'll think of it in a minute. Well, they had Jungle Jim Rivera in right, Minoso in left, and Landis yeah. in center. And in the old Comiskey in 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 left field, there was a hot dog stand that was uh, field level, so it was actually. When you were standing in the hot dog stand, the field was like chest high. Well, when you're three, but uh, right, right. <laughs> but uh, so so we would buy the the you know that we couldn't afford anything but the cheapest tickets, and then we would my buddies and I would come down to the hot dog stand in left field, and Minnie would be you know we'd see his feet right, basically right in front of us, and we'd be in there you know we'd be yelling Minnie Minnie hey how are you, and he was so cool he would turn around and like you know give us a thumbs up or say hello yeah. or smile at us or something, and it stuck with me. To this day, you know, I mean, I didn't know what my where my life was going to sure. end up. But now, whenever and you know, if I'm walking along and you know, someone doesn't matter if someone calls my name, says hello, I remember how important that was to me. That many just give me the time of yeah, day, right. just acknowledge me, stuck with. That's me how these guys day. make fans, you know, and yeah. they connect for. So you were a White Sox fan your whole life, yeah. And this must be a thrill for you to be back here. Well, here's the thing. I had, you know, and, and I talked to Mr. Reinsdorf about this. Jerry and I are, are kind of buddies. We, we've met a few times. And, uh, and uh, so this is no secret. But, you know, when they won the World Series, you know, in, in, in 05, right? right? So, so uh, you know, I, I bought tickets to the series. I wanted to take my dad. My dad's going to be at the game today, 91 oh, years old. Really? Yep. Uh, that is and, so great. And I wanted him to come to the World Series. I wanted to come to Chicago and take him to the World Series. It, it ended up not working out. But so we're sitting in our hotel room in uh, Detroit, and and the, the parade is, is, is going to be on TV. And I'm in my room. I'm watching the parade. I'm thinking this is so awesome. The White Sox finally win the World Series. This is vindication, you know, after all the years of, of you know, being the butt of too many uh, bad jokes, right? I'm watching. All of a sudden, here comes the the team float, and I hear, "Don't stop believing." <laughs> I thought we were going this way. <laughs> yeah, we're going this way big time. AJ, my you know my my nemesis, AJ. How do you spell it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never learned how to pronounce his name. Well, but clearly, he's your nemesis. <laughs> he's my nemesis. He's like, you know, he's, he's AJ like. the nemesis. He is. He's, he's like a bad, bad man. I hear, don't stop believing. I'm watching the TV. I was like, are you kidding me? If it were the, if it were the San Francisco Giants, the Oakland Athletics, bring in Steve Perry. He's a Bay Area guy. How about a little ride the storm out? I, How hey, about a little right, uh, yeah. roll what, what, with the changes? A little keep pushing. You know, I got right. a couple of motivational kind of songs. So I was like, I was like, I can't believe this. I was in shock. I mean, well, I think the story was that these guys were on the road, and that song came on at like a at a hotel bar, 
Oh. So it's a very... They, so it that's wasn't, supposed to make it me feel better. Like a, it wasn't a, a, like a premeditated thing. Not to defend... Because here's my, my know, biggest issue is... I, Pat, I'm <laughs> out of here. I, I liked you until a second ago. Is it time? <laughs> it's time for you to fly. <laughs> I think that my biggest issue was when the Giants did win, that was their song. So like a few years later, I was like Steve Perry, yeah, jump right. ship. And exactly. Like just, so Thank you. Thank you. You're right. You were Where right. The highest maybe. bidder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, but it was AJ. It was AJ. And, and so, so I, so I, I, I think the next year, the they were the, the Sox were playing in town in Detroit, and they stayed at the same hotel as us, right? So, uh, and so Ozzy was in the lobby of the hotel, and his wife is a friend of my wife, and so when when I saw, I saw him, we had never met. I you know, shook hands with him, and of course aired my grievance yeah. so I, and any chance i have you know right. mr reinsdorf ozzy what everybody. did jerry say to you when you said that he uh you know uh, i was on his airplane at the time so i kind of was you know <laughs> i i i i i downplayed it's hard to it a report when you are exactly. riding someone's private yeah, the, private plane exactly exactly no he's a great guy we we have a good time we uh we we laugh about it uh yeah, well, he laughs more than I do, but uh, let's, you know, <laughs> right. it's all good. But you, so going to Old Comiskey all those years, and you, you mentioned before we started this, this is the, the first time you've been at this park. Was yeah. that because you felt so strongly about the old park? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it kind of was, man. It's like that was the park I grew up in. And, okay, I got a trivia question for, for any – oh, because we don't have a phone to take calls. But well, we have Facebook Live. Do anyway, we? So, yeah, they yeah. could – right, so, All right, okay. so, so here's it. Maybe you guys know this, but, but after the 59 series, in 1960, Comiskey Park made three improvements – that were they were kind of gimmicky, but there were three improvements. Everybody knows the exploding scoreboard that when the Sox hit a home run, mm -hmm. the fireworks came out of thing. But there were two more, a little more subtle. In 1960. On the 1960 series, the scoreboard went up, and there were two more things. Well, they went that, to turf for a while, but I don't think they no, did it then. They uh -uh. did it later. No, that was later. But for a kid. You know, for a for a one year old like like myself at the time, you know, it was it was <laughs> the guy is getting younger as <laughs> the year exactly. gets, gets Thank older. You. Put the shower out there? No. 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 Who no was? Uh, All right, you ready? Did they wear shorts then? Was that the, when they <laughs> no. Uh, Andy what, the clown? What they? No. 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 Here's here's what it was. The, you know how the when the, when the when home plate gets a little dirty, the the ump would take the the the, the broom, right? Mm -hmm. They had a thing where these little trap doors opened in the middle of home plate. A broom came up and swept off home plate. So really? the umpire, I swear to God, and that was that's like Bugs Bunny stuff. It was <laughs> it was cool, man. It was so cool. And the other thing was, you know, the umpires normally have have to have the the pouch of baseballs with yeah. them. So when when the ump needed a baseball, he he would press a button, and a thing came up behind home plate trap doors open a thing came up with a basket of baseballs for, for the ump to take his baseballs so you know what went, how about this paul malonis just chimed in all right blowing home plate clean thank and you and the auto ball thing thank paul, you, you got thank it. you paul wow. it, no it didn't yeah. blow it queen it literally had a little thing that came up with a broom and went yeah 
Oh, that's so great. gadget, and this was in six, 1960? 1960. It was like James Bond. So when the new park stuff, opened you know? and you heard they didn't have that, you're like, I'm not coming. I, I, I'm not coming. They're not, they're not <laughs> I, I, want the, I want the broom, you know? I'm sure the players that was back then fighting for more money had to been like, seriously, if you got enough <laughs> to come up with this gadget, you can pay me a little bit more. We don't have to take a bus. You don't have to take a bus to Oakland, seriously. <laughs> well, Comiskey Park, though, used to also be a concert venue. Did you guys ever do a show there? No, we never played there. We, we did play... Uh, some of our m- most memorable, well, two of our most memorable concerts ever, at least for me, being a Chicago guy, were when we we headlined and sold out Soldier Field, mm-hmm. which wow. was, I mean, can you Amazing. imagine? No, that's, I, Guns and Roses were just there. And yeah, they didn't they sell were just it out. there. They I saw a out. great concert at at uh, Soldier Field, and when when that place is right, what time of year was it? Uh, I'm sure it's summer, but yeah, I don't remember exactly when we did that. And the other one that was really memorable was we did a four night stand at the old international amphitheater, but in, in the stockyards Wow! did four sold out shows. And it was, it just so happened that that was right when we found out that our high infidelity record went to number one. So we got the news that the record went to number one, which for, for us, you, you don't understand people, you know, now, well, they, they know Ario Speedwagon. They've got these yeah. hit records and everything. But we never had hit records. We were like the the perennial. We were the White Sox of rock and roll, you know, or the pre-2005 White Sox of rock and roll. No respect. People's, people who loved us loved us, but uh, but we didn't have so any. what year we had is no that? Hits. This was up until, um, let's see, what year was it? 1981 was when... The, you know, the, we blew the doors off. And you guys were known to be a lot, like you were at your best. You weren't a studio band. You were in, no. our, in an arena. We were a bar band. Blow it out. Yeah. Were, did you enjoy playing smaller venues too as you're coming up? Like yeah. what were like the, the, the your favorite place to play in, in the Midwest or Chicago area specifically? Oh man, we used to play the Aragon Ballroom. Oh, that's great. We, that was a great place. Uh, I mean, I played. I I played the Earl of Old Town, the Quiet Night when I was a kid. As a, I, cause I was a folk singer before oh, yeah? I joined the band. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How'd they find you? <laughs> you really? <laughs> so my dad uh, worked in in the Loop every day, commuted from from Oakland, and I used to work in the mailroom of his office during in, in the summer. He, and he had a. Uh, uh, printer so you could you know you could draw something on a piece of paper and and make copies of it so i needed a guitar player and a bass player for my band so i called the sun times to uh to place a one ad and they're like no you have to place two one ads one for the guitar player one for the bass player 15 bucks a piece i'm like I don't have 30 bucks. I, I can't do this. What am I going to do? I got to figure out a way to only have to put one one ad in. So I thought, all right, I'm going to start a little business, quote unquote, using the term quite loosely, called the <laughs> Musician's Referral Service. And I made, made these little flyers at my dad's office, hung them in all the music stores. Basically, if you were in a band and looking for a musician, call me if you're a musician looking for a band call me and i was going to be like the match.com of, the of rock and roll i was going to be the yeah i was going to yeah. be the middleman pimp. I, but yeah the pimp the music pimp yeah. thanks thanks did for you, thanks for putting a, it in those cape? terms yeah, <laughs> oh yeah i had a car with <laughs> some with some cool rims but uh <laughs> but uh so so people were calling me all the time and I, I was just, I was a guy, I was going to Loyola University up in the north side in Rogers Park, and I was getting all these phone calls, and I realized I, I had no way of screening 
you know, so every everybody that called was, oh, I'm the greatest. Our band is is the greatest band ever. We need the. So after about a month of this, I'm like, this is not working. I wish I could change my phone number. You know, phone phone rings and you know, same old story. Oh yeah, our band. We got a record deal with Epic Records. We're you know, we, you get paid 200 bucks a week. We're looking for a singer who can also write songs. I'm like, well, what's the name of the band? Well. I can't tell you the name of the band because we were signed to Epic Records. This is a secret. I'm like, dude, if you can't tell me the name of the band, I really can't help you. So all of a sudden the guy goes, well, all right, the band is REO Speedwagon. And I'm like, I've heard of them, man. They they, they play the Dex Card Wild Gooses in Chicago. I'm dating myself now. but, but well, You uh, dated yourself when you say you're a big fan in 1959. Well, I guess I did. <laughs> but that, I, that, horse but is that was before I was born. You know, I, 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 my, I've heard about that. So anyway, so it turns out that, uh, I, so I go, well, you know what? In my vast uh, archives of, tr- of tremendously talented lead singers who can write songs, I, have, I think I've got the guy for you. And, you know, and they're thinking, this is the yeah. musician's referral service. This is, the, this is legit. <laughs> so, of course, it was, you know, there, there was, there did was no... Did you say it was you or did you just no, said, got I got guy. the guy? I got the guy Look for at that. you. That's smart, man. So I basically scammed my way into the band. and uh, So I just had a friend who just posted on Facebook, and they said that they saw REO Speedwagon, and they said it was, a, it was a great concert. And then they said, but after the show, the lead singer seemed to have fallen and hurt themselves, and I hope they're okay. Oh, man. <laughs> what happened? I went. This is the post that I read. This nice. Is, this is knowing that we are interviewing you guys. It's two like, days oh, ago. Man, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I went airborne. I, I, we, 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 had a, we had a really, well, one of our best Chicago, you know, because you're touring Chicago, with Def Leppard right, right now. We're right? out with Def Leppard. Great, great guys, great band. And, uh, and, uh, and we had, you know, every show, you know, we, we, we go all out. But, you know, some games you win by more runs than others. And, and we hit the ball well, you know, on, yeah. on Saturday night out there in Tinley Park. So I was feeling great, man. I was on an adrenaline high. I'm like, this is a great, you know, to have a great show in your hometown, there's nothing like it. And I was just like flying. I was just, this is great. I'm, you know, throwing picks out to the crowd, you know. Yeah. I'm like, and and we usually we exit off this left side of the stage, but I somehow went the right side. And it's a big stage, and there was this little speaker on the floor that I wasn't expecting to be where it was. <laughs> oh, man. And I turn around, and I'm running because I'm like, this is great. I'm like triumphant. <laughs> and I kicked this thing going full speed. I went airborne. I didn't know the I was hoping, perhaps, that the no, audience people didn't. Saw it, people, saw, yeah. <laughs> people saw it, People saw it. You didn't, no well, one said anything. They, you didn't hear like a collective, ooh. It was, the show was over. I mean, it was, I was on the way off stage, but... I spent my day yesterday, this beautiful day in Chicago. I was up in a hotel room with ice on my leg the entire. Oh man, the entire you, you're moving good. good today. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. Good, you know. right. Yeah, because you're a yeah. rock star. Well, That's you not know, slow, slow you down. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna... Were there some uh, Were there some party years during this? No, Come no, on. no, no. Of course not. You Talk know. about the party years. All right, the party years. Jeez. Uh, well, because you're playing I... in arenas in front of. How many thousands of people? 30, 40. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we I mean, sold Soldier out Field, Soldier Field, 80,000 yeah. people. So we, we've, done, we've done our share of, uh, of, uh, of big gigs. And, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely had our moments. You know, we... Um, Any funny stories, like or wild stories? 
What, what, what do you guys, you guys struggle I mean, with the ladies though then you right? you know we did with all your can't fight the feelings and yeah yeah the girls kind of liked us you know <laughs> but uh you know nowadays man I, you know i'm, I'm no no, no not nowadays <laughs> let's go back <laughs> you know you know how people, you. You know how <laughs> people say sex and drugs and rock and roll talk yeah. about those first two <laughs> <laughs> What can I tell you? <laughs> I mean, well, it's an MLB podcast. All right, all right. And what, Kevin, you want to come back to the I would really like to talk about Louis Aparicio <laughs> exactly. and what he meant to me. We did that. Exactly. We made the White Sox connection already. Right. Now let's get selfish. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. We we used to we used to uh, drive to sh- we used to play 200 250 shows a year. We used to drive around in a in a 1972 Chevrolet station wagon, right? So we were it was just ridiculous so all of a sudden our manager who's who at the time Irving Azoff I don't know if you know Irving he like runs the world right now and he's and but he started we were his first management client down in Champaign right so he goes we got an airplane and we're like you got an airplane he goes yeah we're gonna we're gonna travel by airplane from now on we're like we're looking at each other like wait a minute we can't afford an airplane this is when you start to know things are well, yeah, things are, yeah, yeah. are headed in a good direction. But we get to the airport, and this airport was an, an old tail dragger from World War II, a, a Lockheed <laughs> Lodestar. But it had our wing logo stenciled on the side. It was like, wow, we got, we got our own airplane. This is, like, cool. We're, like, you know, we're making it here. So we're on the plane, and we're, we're grooving. And it, it was an old airplane, but, but it was cool. But, but so one day, the pilot goes, we're, we're going to go pick up the uh, the owner of the airplane. He wants to meet you guys, and and he's and it was a day off. So we're like, all right, you know, we're, we must be we're getting a good deal on this plane, obviously. So we get we fly somewhere in Texas, and this guy is walking from the FBO to the plane, and he just looked like, you know, a thousand miles of bad road. This guy was just <laughs> like. A badass, and it was he was scary looking. So he gets on the plane, and I always used to sit right by the in in the tail, last seat, right in front of the door. So he gets on the plane, and usually when we're on the plane, we're like throwing food, we're laughing, we're we're having a great time. This guy got on the plane; it was silence. This guy was just like one of those people that you're afraid to like. If you say the wrong thing, he's going to kick your ass, that kind of guy. So he gets in the plane, sits down, plane takes off. And, you know, there's a normal progression of a plane taking off. You know, you're at a low altitude, and then you gain altitude. And this plane used to travel about 12,000 feet. After about 20 minutes, we're still about 500 feet off the ground going across Texas out in the desert. I'm like looking out the window. I'm like, well, that's a little weird, I'm, you know, but I'm af- we're all afraid to say anything. This guy sits down, poured out a baggie of, of I think it must have been powdered sugar. Because, sure. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like then that. he like stuck his face <laughs> in it like he really liked this. He was really enjoying like this. The little pixie stick thing. Yeah, it was just yeah, like a, yeah, but it was a I pile of it. And it was in his eyebrows. I mean, it was like Al Pacino in, uh, you know, Scarface, in Scarface <laughs> basically. And all of a sudden he turns around, he walks down the, the, the aisle and we're like, we're like statues. We're like so afraid. And then we hear some like clanking, like noises in the, in the baggage department. I'm sitting there because I'm right there. I'm afraid to look. All of a sudden, and we're still about maybe 300 feet off the ground. All of a sudden, I hear 
the door open and it's wind and it's like holy he opened the back door of the airplane I, and, and is now sudden, now's the time to say something now's the time to say something no it was like parachute this this is what we hear he and I look around and he's sitting there straddling the door one foot on each side of the door with an automatic weapon strafing cows as we're driving no. as we're flying oh yeah <laughs> Now it's all starting. We need to, make to start it. doing pre-interviews. Now, now I'm going. I think I understand why we get such a good deal on this airplane. Basically, what they were doing is on days off, you know, our logo was just a cover. They were running across the border with guns, with whatever they were doing. So now, fast forward. So the first private jet was. It was from well, the cartel. Basically, basically. <laughs> Fast forward, uh, and the, I'm almost done with this story, I promise. Fast forward about 12 story. years. We're staying in Washington, D.C., and I hear a knock on the door. I look through the peephole, and it's these three girls outside of my hotel room, and they're, and they're holding a book, showing me this book, and it was the uh, Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms yearbook. 1982 yearbook which they publish every year to kind of show what they're doing trying to trying to probably sure. get more yeah, yeah. funds whatever she opened it to a page so i opened the door let let them in they were you know they were they were hot and um opened to this page and there was a picture from the perspective of behind a unmarked car these agents with guns drawn in the distance our airplane basically they busted they busted the guy it was they, they had taken all the seats out at this point and it was just full of pot and qualudes and this was one of their big busts for the year so thank you very much oh, we, that were, is, uh, that, we were basically uh, and to bring it full circle circle that is why the socks didn't use your song in 05 you think so? like white socks that's what it was song yeah. from cartel you know, i never drug band i never thought of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> That is great. But that's just like one of, I bet, a million stories from being a rock star for 30 we, hey, years. We had, we had our share of fun, I, 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 will, I will tell you. And it was great. What it were was some a, of the bands that... great ride. Some of the bands that you guys were in awe of that you got to play with or partied with or saw like during those days. Well, I mean, we played Live Aid. I mean that was wow. that was that, that was, was pretty awesome. Willie Nelson and all those guys. Everybody and you was know 85? 85. Yeah. So we, you know, we had uh you know, I think Black Sabbath went on right before us and Crosby Stills and Nash went on right after wow. us and I'm just you know, as much of a fan as I am with the 59 White Sox, Crosby Stills and Nash. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I, yeah, as become a folk singer right. and then coming up. Yeah. Stephen Stills was my hero, and I ended up getting to write a song with him. So that was just really? like, oh yeah, that was just amazing. What is your writing process? Because as a stand-up comics, we try to mine our lives and, and try to and then try to pull the humor from the things that's going on in our lives. When you write a song, do you do you have to sometimes you just get like like an instrumental version and you pin words to to like the back like the music, or do you just pin words and then add the music to it? Like, which, where does your writing come from? Well, I, I'd say it kind of, the, the, the inspiration, the moment of inspiration is there's music, you know. I mean, every time I pick up the guitar and just start fooling around, if I, if I stick with it long enough, something, it's just weird. Something appears. It just happens. Okay. And so if it just so happens that there's something going on emotionally, 
at that particular time, then that emotion, that's where the music comes from. It is, is and my, you write the music and the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so there's a burst of inspiration where there's lyrics and music. And then, you know, and so you capture that, you know, on a cassette player or an iPhone nowadays. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, Slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. Stop name dropping how the, your, your tech savviness. <laughs> Biggest hit that you wrote and, and then maybe like the story behind it. And I mean, there's so hit. many hits. Well, I mean, there was, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Can't Fight This Feeling was probably our, our, our biggest hit. And that was about a, 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 a girl in Chicago. And she knows who she is. She, she lives up on the north side now. And uh, she's married now. She's married now. Yeah. And, and her, Does he know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I've met Deal him. with He's it, good, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got, like, that's got to be a good thing, though, for that dude. You know that's You know my wife, that song, Can't Fight This Feeling? That's about her. That's about her. That's great. So you had uh, you met her, you were dating, or maybe just no, long no, no. distance. No, I was afraid to. Uh, that the whole song "Can't Fight This Feeling" is a is right. And, and yeah. in, in its essence, you're you know it's you know that's a story in my life is being you know feeling something and being Irish and and thinking that you're supposed to keep that all to yourself and just be strong and and never express any vulnerability or feelings of any of any kind, right? So. Uh, now there's a beautiful woman with a red shirt on. Yeah, there's making, Thomas because well, you're singing. So oh, I gotta sing. Oh, yeah. but well, I'm having more fun down here. I know. I don't I know sing. Speaking of camp, this by this it's time to bring this. I got. Oh man, ship into the shore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my favorite line: "Throw away the oars." With a with a forever. I've gotten without a, the without a pile of sugar, without an Uzi, without <laughs> shooting cattle. We just gotta just gonna <laughs> land normally. Thank you for being here. Kevin Cronin, legendary rock star, Ario Speedwagon, and lifelong Chicago White Sox fan. Yeah, I want to hear about you guys, man. I want to hear about how you guys... So you say you write your material from, from life, Listen, right? Listen, man, but, we, but we're comics, so there is no... There's imagination, imagination. There's no sex, drugs, and rock and roll with us. It's... it's. <laughs> but, hey, but check it out. I'll tell you what. We, you know, there's nothing more exhilarating to me than getting a laugh. When you get a laugh, and, and, and I've got a, my hobby, my, my like weird hobby is, it's not a hobby, but it's just a joke between my wife and I that, that of making comedians laugh. Oh, and yeah. if you make a comedian, to me, with, yeah, if I yes. make a comedian laugh, yes. that's like the ultimate. And, and there's a joke that, that I tell the, it, during this tour on stage, and, it, and it, it's, it's a good one, and it, it's, you know, from our experiences. Actually, our keyboard player, it, he, he's a really funny guy, so I kind of, we kind of work together on some of the, but when, you know, we played, we had, you know, 17, 18,000 people the other day. To get a laugh out of a huge crowd like that. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I know where you guys are coming right, from. Right, right. It's, it's addictive. You want, once well, you get a laugh. Let us know if you need an opener, buddy. I we do. I, I, no, I need material. Yeah, we want you to come out. I need material. How do you want us to write for you? I get where this is going. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll connect. Yeah, we'll connect and we'll, right. we'll have you out to a show. That'd be awesome. All right. That'd Thanks so great. much. Kevin. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Good luck. Have fun out there. Appreciate it. We'll kill it today. There you go. Kevin Cronin. Told you it was great, right? It yeah. It was great. Love him. Great dude. Busy dude. 
Busy, but, man. They're they're grinding, man. Like if you got love for something, it's not really like you know, like you and I. We both really enjoy stand up, and we enjoy the process. We enjoy the process of creating material, performing, and they're the same way. Like you know, he still got passion. He still have heroes and people that he looks up to and working with. And he, I mean, he fell and busted his ass. Like that's gotta count yeah. for something. Like that dude went running off from just an adrenaline rush and right. went flying and hurt himself. So, I think yeah. what's cool about that, if you meet people and you, you know, we're constantly meeting people. Everybody is everyone out there and everyone listening to this and you meet somebody that's like inspires you. That's like, it's feels good that you cross paths and yeah. you see him where he's at, not burned out at all. Could, he has every reason to be burned out, to be sick of this, to be wanting to be out of the game. Mm-hmm. His music, they could make money sitting at home with their music. That could be Their songs would be in every commercial, every movie. He was talking about you know, the association with that movie Drive with Albert Brooks. He had a great story he told us um, off mic. But you know what? Meeting someone like that, it's like, man, okay, just keep, keep you know. Keep doing. Keep pushing. Keep that's doing. his song, right? Keep pushing. Like Honestly, it's like, this guy is uh he's still going. Still performing, still booking dates. He's working with Def Leppard right now, they're touring. So that was cool. I, I enjoyed that. Fun. Fun group. All right. Hope you guys enjoy that as well. We love you listening to us. Send us some emails at the cycle at shysocks.com. We love to interact with you. Um I'm gonna push Brad for some giveaways. Let's do some giveaways. We haven't done that for a while. Next episode, look for that. We're gonna do a giveaway. And uh, you guys write a review. We'll take, uh, we'll raffle off like a, an autograph hat or bat or something. All right? Yes. Thanks again for listening to The Cycle. I am Pat McGann. Thank you, Kevin Bozeman. Appreciate it. And make sure you get on iTunes and subscribe. Bye. Bye.